I want to welcome those that will be watching uh, via Facebook or YouTube. We're glad to have you. Appreciate you being with us. And we trust the Word of God will be a blessing to your heart. And what's true for all of us, whether they're at home or here in the services, the Scripture says of those that when they heard the Word preached, they didn't mix faith with it. And so that Word preached wasn't profitable unto them. And so even for us that are here within within the the sanctuary here, we must mix faith with what we hear if the word preached. Or when you're reading your Bible, if, if you don't mix faith with what you're reading, it's not going to do you uh, what it was intended to do. And so we have our part. God's done his part in providing the word, and we have to do our part. Amen? And so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. It will stay in the book of Genesis tonight. This is the series on Old Testament basics, and we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we started with the four main events, and that was creation, the fall of man, the flood, and then the Tower of Babel. And uh, last week, we uh, looked at the beginning of the four main characters of the book of Genesis, and, uh, and that was Abraham, and his was a life of faith. A life of faith, and uh, he believed God, and God counted that to him for righteousness. And the same thing is true of us. If you've been saved by the grace of God, when your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary was enough, and when we do that, when a person does that, repents of their sins and trusts Jesus as their Savior, God imputes to that person the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, what a blessing yes. that is. Amen. I got to turn in my old filthy rags for the righteousness of Christ. And, uh, and so that is true for every man, woman, boy, and girl who trusts the Lord. And so we want to look now at the next character, and that is Isaac. Isaac, and his is the life of sonship. And I asked you to go to Genesis uh, chapter 15. And, uh, and let, let, me, uh, let me just introduce this like this. There was a writer, a Christian, his name was Watchman Nee. How many of y'all have heard of Watchman Nee? Have you read any of his books like Release of the Spirit? And, uh, and the like? there's some good things that he has to say out there. But he wrote this in his book called Release of the Spirit. And I would highly recommend that to you to read. It's not a very thick book. It's thin, but boy, it's, it's jam-packed. And uh, in that book, he said, the timing, speaking about the Lord and his work in our life, he said, the timing is in his hands. We cannot shorten the time, though we certainly can prolong it. And what he's talking about is when we try to do what only God can do in our lives, when we try to do for ourselves what only he can do as far as our sanctification is concerned. And he's speaking about the works of God, that brokenness in our life. And, and, and this truth becomes all too real to Abram. It becomes all too real to him who couldn't wait on the Lord's time. And he said, well, I thought this was going to be about Isaac. It is, but you know, the, the life of Abraham, it, it overlaps with the life of Isaac. And, uh, and so, so there's something here in this, and Abram just couldn't wait on the Lord's timing who decided to take Hagar as his wife to fulfill God's promise of an heir. And this is where Ishmael comes from. And hence, 
All the problems in the Middle East have come about because of man trying to do what only God can do. And, uh, and, and it's hard. You know, we'd rather hear anything than wait. Sometimes we'd prefer a no. That way we could just move on and go to something else. But when God says wait, that's hard for us. It tests our, it tests our true submission. It, it tests our humility to have to wait on the Lord. And, uh, but what did he say there in Isaiah? He said, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength, right? They shall, walk, they shall run and not what? And be weary. And, be weary. And, uh, and, and so there's a promise that's there for us if we learn how to wait. And we just don't like the lessons that that calls for. You know, teach us, Lord, how to wait, all right? So let's look at this, and I asked you to go to Genesis 15, so let's begin reading in verse 1. So take your Bible, the Word of God, and look with me in verse 1. Notice what it says of chapter 15. And these things, the Word of the Lord, came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. What he was saying was, Lord, I, I have plenty of blessings. I've got all these things, but I really don't have anybody to, to hand it down to. I, I really don't have anybody that I, could, that I could put in my will, so to speak. He said, I've got this Eliezer. He's a servant who was born in his house. But that wasn't the same thing as a biological child. And he said, I'm childless still. I'm childless. And, uh, and so, the, you know, the Lord knows that. And look at verse 3. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came in and saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. So he just reminds him again, Abram, I'm telling you, this is not the way. Eliezer is not going to be the child that you're going to pass on these blessings to. It's going to be your own child. It's going to be your biological child. And he just didn't give him a time frame right here. So it's, it's coming. You just have to wait. And boy, we don't like that. All right? And, and, but I want you to notice something. So why did the Lord say what he said? That man, that he said that I am thy exceeding great reward. Why did he do that? Well... We have to tie chapter 15 a little bit to chapter 14. And what happened in chapter 14, there had just been a great victory that had taken place. It was a military victory, but it was also a spiritual victory. Look back with me in chapter, right there at the end of chapter 14. Notice what happens. Someone comes out, someone comes out to him. And, uh, and so what happens in this spiritual victory, God tells Abram, I am thy exceeding great reward. Now, why was that? It, was, it happened because, as I said, not only a military victory, but it was a spiritual victory for Abram. And notice his name. It's not Abraham yet. It's still Abram. All right? And, and so because of what he does, he refuses to take help from a worldly resource. He refuses to do that. Look in chapter 14. Notice what happens and look in verse 17. Chapter 14, verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter 
of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is in the king's dale. And Melchizedek, you've heard that name before, right? Melchizedek, having no beginning or ending. Melchizedek comes out, the king of Salem. Can somebody tell me what does Salem mean? Peace. He's the king of peace. Now, uh, theologically, now one of those 25 cent words, what this is, I believe, my opinion here, I believe this is a what's called or referred to as a Christophany. How many of you know, have heard that term before? Christophany, all right? What is that? That is a pre-Bethlehem visit of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe when we get over, when we get over there in the book of Exodus and so forth, or at the end of, uh, in that time frame, I believe when Joshua was outside the walls of Jericho and we get in the book of Joshua over there, what are we going to find out? I think that soldier that he meets out there, the captain of the host of the Lord, I think that's another Christophany, amen, where he meets the Lord Jesus Christ out there in a, in a different, uh, if you will, in a different person. And so here Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of, of peace. And who is the Lord Jesus? He's the prince of peace. And, uh, and so he meets him. And notice, look at verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high God. He was the priest of, of, of Jehovah, the most high God. And he blessed him. He blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hands and he gave him that he there now is Abram gave him tithes of all now watch and the king of Sodom said unto Abraham give me the persons now why do you suppose he wanted the people that had been taken Sodom was a wicked place an evil place and he wanted those persons just like what was going to happen a little bit later on before Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. They wanted those persons. And he said, you can have everything else. Just give me the people and take the goods to thyself. And I love this. Notice what Abram said. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Now watch. That I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. That I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. He didn't want to take anything from the world. He certainly didn't want anything from the hand of the devil. Amen. He want what he was going to get. The blessings he wanted were going to come from God alone. And that's what he believed. And God saw that in his heart. And that's why God said, hey, I am, thy, I am thy shield and thy exceeding reward. God was going to bless him for that. And you know what he says later on? I believe it's in the book of Samuel. God honors the man that honors him. And the Lord is faithful to do that. And so when we do that, and so here we find that Isaac is the son of promise. He is the son of promise, as the Lord tells him. And so he reaffirms publicly to that wicked king that he will not look to anyone but the Most High God. He didn't trust the king of Sodom as he trusted the Lord. And so he talks to God about this. And the Lord declares to Abram the greatness of his, of his family. Notice what he says. I want you to see this. Look in verse 5 now of chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 5. Notice what he said. This was after he told him that child is coming. Look at verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. 
and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. That'd be like us going outside here and me saying to Brother Mel, all right, Brother Mel, you've lived here a long time. I want you to look up there in that sky and just for the sake of the rest of us, we'd like you to count every star that's up there that you see. We would not get home tonight, amen? Why? There's so many. That'd be like, that'd be like going to the beach down in Galveston. Just pick out a stretch and say, I'd like you to count all the grains of sand between here and that hundred yards down there. We'd never get home. We'd never leave Galveston. It's almost like it's innumerable. It's an infinite number. I don't know how many stars are out there, but I know this. There's a bunch. Amen. Tell the stars. He wasn't, he wasn't saying like, say it to the stars. What he was saying was, I want you to count the stars if you can, if you be able, Abram. That's how large your family's going to be. And look what verse 6 says. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. You know what else is right there? Here is the title and deed to the land there in the Middle East. Here is the deed. Like, you know, if you own your property, you had to fill out, an, there was an abstract. Y'all know what I'm talking about, an abstract. It, it, it gives all the details about the property, all the angles and what the depth is and the width is and maybe something about the soil, but it puts where all the benchmarks are and the survey marks and where all that is on the planet. And they say that describes your piece of ground. Now here's a deed where it says that either you own it outright or you and the bank own it together. Amen. But it's the deed of record. And so what we have right here as we read this, this is God giving the deed to that land. And I'm going to say before there ever was a Palestinian, before there ever was anybody else that was over there, God gave them the land. And the world doesn't want to recognize this. That's why they want to do away with the book of Genesis and say it's not so. Why? I mean, just like a legal document right here would be the document of record that God gave that land to Abram and to his seed. And it was going to be theirs for how long? Man, to inherit it. And, and look at verse 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And so now he's going to, he's going to make this covenant with him here. And he divides them. And here's the beauty of this. And, and what happens is he's going to go in between these two. He's going to go between these two mounds or piles, if you will, of these animals that have been sacrificed. And what that simply means is if either one of us breaks our word, this is exactly what's going to happen to us. But what does the Lord do? Abram falls asleep. And God passes between those two piles by himself. In other words, God could not swear by anyone higher than himself. Why? Because he knew that Abram couldn't keep it, but God will. And beloved, this is one of the reasons why, man, when you get born again and God says you're his child, he's not counting on my performance. I, it's not how well I'm holding on to him. It's how well he's holding on to us. Yes, That's what makes the difference. I can pillow my head at night. And I don't have to wonder like some folks, am I in or am I out? Am I up? Am I down? No. When I got born into the family of God, man, my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And no one can change that. When a child is born, you get a birth certificate, right? 
They're still doing that. It's been a while since we've had one, all right? I say we. It's been a while since she's had one, all right? I've never understood that. This is extra now. I've never understood that when we say, well, the men would come to, uh, come to the firemen would come and say, well, we're pregnant. Really? You, you don't look like you're pregnant to me. You know, no, it's the wife who's pregnant. Amen. She's pregnant. She's the one expecting. That's just a funny thing with me. I just don't get all, anyway, I'll let that go, all right, before I get in trouble. I'm just saying, but, but in this day and age, they like to say other things, right? And so, uh, but anyway, what I want you to know is, is that when your name got put in there, when that birth certificate was filled out, I mean, that's always going to be your child. Always going to be your child. And so too it is with the Lord. And he made that promise right here. And, and God did that in that same day. And he made a covenant with Abram. And he made those things so. And I, I want you to see, so, so here's the pledge that God has made to him. But I want you to see there's a problem. Unfortunately, there's a problem, you know. And, uh, and what is that problem? Well, look in chapter 16 with me. And you know what usually happens after, you know, and we have to be prepared for this. Hey, we had, we had a, it was a blessing. Somebody joined the church this morning. We've had some things that have happened and more folks are coming. You don't suppose that the devil's going to take that lying down, do you? No, he's going to be fighting against that. And for people to come back and so forth, man, he's going to be fighting against that. And we have to be prepared for that in our minds and not let that blindside us. And so, so too, look, notice this. Now look at chapter 16. Here God makes this great promise, this great pledge. And, uh, and he goes through and he makes a covenant with Abram. And he keeps the promise and he does all that. Look at chapter 16. Now Sarai, and, uh, and you know what her name means? Her name means princess. Did you know that? Sarai means princess. She was a princess. Okay. And, uh, and Abram's wife bare him no children. So time goes by. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto thy, my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Sarai. Abram's, Abram's wife took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land. So 10 years goes by, all right, in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And we know what happens. And so what happens out of this? Man, Ishmael is born. Ishmael is born. And I want you to drop down there to verse 16. Look at it with me. Chapter 16, verse 16. The Bible says that Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. How old is that? Fourscore and six. It's old. That's what somebody said. All right. Fourscore is that. So he was 86. But I want you to look, look at chapter 17. Look at verse one. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine. So he was 86 when Ishmael was born. And in, when he is 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto him. Now that's 13 years without a word from God. Now, beloved, I don't know about you, but I, 
Man, I like the Lord to speak to me. Don't you like him to speak to you? Let's me know I'm walking with him, fellowshipping with him. But because Abram here is out, got out of the will of God and this child is born, it's 13 years before the Lord speaks to him again. There's something to be learned in this. Listen, Ishmael, Ishmael and Isaac are not going to get along. And there's going to be a problem there. And you know what? And they don't get along to this very day. Now, God blessed Ishmael. He did that and said, you know, you're going to have these and and uh, but it's going to be every man against his brother and uh, and the like. And, you know, we wonder and I, I, I'm going to put a little modern spin on this. You know, we wonder sometimes about why, you know, why do places like the Taliban and ISIS and some of these people may live under such austere and hard. Do you understand what I mean when I say austere, such like almost like tyranny in their land and so forth, because for some of them, that's the only kind of government that they can have that will help keep them in control. And Ishmael, the Bible says, it said he was a wild man, a wild man. And, uh, and so what happens, there is a great falling out between these two. And so Abram, when, there was, when these silences came along, Abram makes no further progress in the things of God in other words, what I mean by that, he saw no fruit. And during that, nothing worthy of note happened in his life. And that's why there's a silence there. 13 years goes by because he was out of the will of God right there. Now, he was where he was supposed to be, but the decision that he had made, he didn't make any more progress. And, uh, and that's sad that it happened that way. But look, but look a little further. In chapter 17, I want you to see, look down in verse 15. And God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name. And here Abram, he's going to have his name changed as well. And his name is now going to be Abraham. Abram is now Abraham. And Sarai is now become Sarah. All right? And I think this is interesting in this. Notice what happens. Notice what he says. Look in, look in chapter 17. Now look in verse 2. Or actually look in verse 1. And what he says. When Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared and, and, and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And that perfect there has to do with being mature. To be complete. And I will make my covenant between me and thee. And I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. He reaffirms this in this, and, and so what are we seeing? We're seeing that in this pause, you know, there was a problem, and now there's a pause, and yet it gets picked up in chapter 17, where Isaac is now the son of prophecy. The son of prophecy. He had been one of promise, but now a prophecy. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking forth the will of God through the word of God. It's not telling something, if you will. What's the word I want to say here? Some people only think, when they think about prophecy, they think about foretelling something that hasn't happened yet. All right. But sometimes prophecy can be the forth telling. 
of something that's known in the word of God. You see, the promise had already been made. So now this is going to be forth-telling, F-O-R-T-H, forth-telling through the word of God what the will of God was going to be. And so he had been the son of promise, and now he's going to be the son of prophecy. And there's going to be some specifics in this. Now watch. Notice what he said. I'm going to make thee fruitful. Look in verse 7 of chapter 17. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. And in, in verse 5, he said, now, now you're going to be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And so out of this, Isaac is going to come. So it's foretold of God in verses 15 through 19. All right? Notice what it says down there in verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarah, but now Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and I will give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram fell upon his face and laughed. I want you to know something about his laughter. This was not the laughter of unbelief. It was more about, man, what a blessing. I mean, he was rejoicing. He laughed at that. Sarah is going to laugh a little bit later on. And when you get over there to chapter 18 and so forth, Sarah's going to laugh. And, uh, and, and, the, and the Lord's going to ask her about that. And she's going to say, no, I didn't. And he said, oh, yes, you did. And, uh, and so her laughter is one of unbelief. Like, oh, that's not going to happen. Am I going to be old and have a child? <laughs> Whoever heard of such a thing? I'm paraphrasing. But that's kind of what, the, that's kind of what was behind the laughter. And notice something. When you prophesy something, you're going to give some specifics. Look at verse 17. I'm in chapter 17, verse 17. I know I'm moving around, but will stay with me. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Oh, that this boy might live before me. That wasn't, that wasn't God's plan, you see. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? You look it up. Isaac means laughter. That's exactly what it means. And every time they called that boy for supper, it was a reminder that they had laughed at what God was able to do. All right. And he said that Isaac's going to be his name and I will establish my covenant with him and with him for how long? For an everlasting covenant. And with his seed after him. And so God in this, he foretells this. So Abram now becomes Abraham. Sarah now becomes Sarai now becomes Sarah. And Isaac's name is given before he is ever born. So this son of prophecy, now it is God foretells it. And then we're also going to see that God fulfills it. Look in chapter 21. In between these, you have the deliverance of Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. Look in, chapter, look in chapter 21 and look in verse 1. He is the son of prophecy. And just as the Lord had said, chapter 21, look in verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. 
For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And, uh, and we see that now here is in this fulfillment, it was not only foretold by God, but it's also fulfilled by God. And it is a miraculous birth when you think about it. A miraculous birth. I mean, and it serves to this birth that does something. It verifies the sovereignty of God. What is the sovereignty of God? That man, you know what? Nothing happens down here without his knowledge. The Lord is never surprised about anything. And, uh, and so we can trust that. And so, so he, is, he is here in his sovereignty. And we see that he works supernaturally as well. When you think about that, he overcame a dead body. That would be Abraham's. And if you will, a, a womb that had been dead also. And God overcame both of those things. Listen to what Romans chapter 4 says of Abraham. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, nine months before, God had told Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son according to the time of life. And so it is a miraculous birth, but guess what happens? Man, there is some trouble at the house. You know, and it's a picture for us of the, new, of the new birth. It's a picture of us as believers. Listen, before we got saved, all we had on the inside was an old nature. It didn't cause any problems. And you know what? When Ishmael was a little boy, Abram loved him and cared for him just like he was his very own child. And he was his son. And, uh, but that wasn't the son of promise. That wasn't going to be of the seed that God wanted. But Abraham loved him nonetheless. And, uh, and so Ishmael was not a problem until Isaac came along. It's more than sibling rivalry. You've had that, haven't you? If you had more than one child, you know, that one that, that, that one looks down at the new one like, well, man, I've been here longer than he has or she has, and it can cause some problems sometimes. But here there's more to this than, than what meets the eye. It's a picture of that old nature that never gave us any trouble, right? When we were sinners, when we were lost, we just did what we thought we knew to do. We did, if the world said this was the way to go, that was the way we went. If this is what our grandparents taught us or our parents taught us, it may not have been the will of God, but because mom and dad said it, this is what we did. And we complied with that. And, and that's how we were raised. I mean, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I don't know about you all, but, but, uh, but, but I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And so what they gave permission to or what they said don't do, I did try to do my best to comply with those things. But when that new man came along after I got saved, then suddenly now there's a battle that takes place on the inside. Who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the new life? Or am I going to listen to that old nature that's on the inside? And that's what's pictured here in the problems that came up. And, and notice what happens. Abraham, if you will, Ishmael is mocked. Or I should say that Ishmael mocks Isaac. And there is, there is trouble. 
And, uh, <clears throat> and so as a result, here in what happens is that the true nature of this young man comes out. And that's the same way it is in the life of a believer. That true nature shows up. That old nature shows up. And really didn't realize how strong it was, how powerful it was, and, uh, and, and how much it was in control of our lives until we said yes to the will of God. And now all of a sudden, there's a conflict on the inside. That happens to every child of God. It happens to every born-again believer. And so here, Ishmael mocks Isaac. And, uh, and there's a problem, all right? Notice what it said. <clears throat> Look down there with me. Look at verse 8. Speaking about Isaac, I'm in chapter 21. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast in the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. He wasn't happy. That's, that's about like, it's about like the older brother in Luke's gospel. He wasn't happy when the younger brother came home. And man, all this business is going on and we're going to break out the fatty calf. We're going to do all that. And it's like, well, all of a sudden, well, you never did that for me. <laughs> and there's a problem. The old nature versus the new. And so uh, I'm almost done here. And so we have this son of promise and then we have the son of prophecy. And that was fulfilled. Remember, this is the life of sonship. But even in this, there's a bigger picture. That's being here. And here is the Son of God is being pictured. Look in chapter 22 with me. And we're going to be done. Chapter 22. I want you to see this. Chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things. I'm in verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest and get thee in the land into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Wow. He never asked that of Isaac, a correction. He never asked that of Ishmael, did he? That old nature. No, he didn't ask that. I want your Isaac. And God still wants our Isaacs. Amen? He still does. But I want you to take note of this. He's the son of promise. He was a son of prophecy and that was fulfilled. But he's also the son of God pictured in these verses. Taken to Mount Moriah. Do you know what Mount Moriah is? Mount Moriah is, is if you will, is modern-day Calvary. That's what Mount Moriah is. Do you remember what Jesus said over there in John chapter 8 and verse 56? I won't have you turn there, but it said this. It said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. What was he saying about what Abraham saw on that mountain that day? If he could be looking, he'd be looking at man. He'd be looking here. Here was the mount that he was on. And he was seeing there was a Mount Calvary yet to come. Mm. That Abraham saw my day. Abraham understood something about this offering. Abraham understood it. And the Lord says that. Mm. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see 
my day and he saw it. John chapter 8, verse 56. He's, he's, dealing with the, he's dealing with the Pharisees there. And he saw that. And what I'm saying to you is this, that what happened on that Mount Moriah in the offering, that is where modern day Calvary was. And what's the story? While he's coming up one side, there's a ram coming up the other, right? I don't think I'm giving you anything new here. But I'm just trying to get you to see there's more to this picture. And this, this is what I love about my Bible. Man, it's inspired. This Bible is inspired. And, uh, and so here what we find is while he's going up the hillside over here, here's coming up the other side. There's a ram on his way about to be in that thicket. And so, so what happened here? So he was taken to Mount Moriah and it was to reveal something and it did. And he yielded to his father's will. When you, think, when you think about Isaac, remember we're talking about him now. He's the son of God pictured. So where did Abram take him? Where did his father take him? His father took him to Mount Moriah. Where did God take his son? He sent him to Calvary. That was, that was Moriah in the New Testament time, but it was the same mountain that was there. And what did Isaac do? Did Isaac yield to his father's will? As we read this, now notice what it says. Look, look at verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. He saw it. And Abram said unto his young man, Abide ye here with the ass. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Do you understand something right there? When he said, come again to you, he had every idea. He believed that God was going to raise that boy and he would come back with him. Yes, he was going to be sacrificed, but yes, he was going to be raised and come back with me. And now look at verse six. And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And nowhere in here, Isaac doesn't say, dad, what are you doing? And I've been a little boy with my dad. I'd say, Dad, what, what are you doing? I say, you know, we got all this stuff. Why, why are you, you know, what's, what's going on here? But there's not that conversation. Did the Lord Jesus do the will of the Father? Yes, he did. Did Isaac do the will of his father? Yes, he did. And so he yielded his will to the Father's will. And he bears the wood upon his back. And what did the Lord Jesus bear all the way to Calvary? He bore the cross. He bore the cross. Do you see the picture that's here? It's here. And this is, a, this is a Calvary of the Old Testament. Right here in front of us. So there, and he under, and you know what? Isaac understands that he's going to die at the hand of his father. And so too our Savior knew that he was going to die at the hands of his father. What did he tell Pilate? Pilate's like, don't you know, man, I have the power to do it. And he said, that's right. He said, you couldn't do anything except my father allow you to do it. Amen. Yeah. And there is a submission and there's a silence. Look at verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abram his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I. My son, and he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for, the, for a burnt offering? 
And Abram said, my son, God will provide himself. And man, that's exactly what he did. Amen, didn't he do that? He provided himself. When Jesus went to Calvary, he provided himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abram built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Isaac didn't struggle. Isaac didn't open his mouth. He didn't say, Dad, what are you doing? I'm I, like, don't, Daddy. Oh, no. And the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, he said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. That's John 10 and verse 18. And you know when they nailed those things and put that spike through his feet, gosh, I can't stand to have a splinter. And I like working with wood, but I, I, you know, if I get a splinter in there, I just, you know, when I was hanging sheetrock, I, I got to fooling with one one time and the guy that I was hanging with, the preacher came over and I, he said, what's the matter? And I said, I got a splinter right here. And he took, his, he took his pencil and he drew a circle around it and he said, hey, he said, there, you can get to that later. I want that, I would want that splinter out. I just can't imagine having my hands and my feet nailed. I can't imagine that. And the Bible says, and he opened not his mouth as a sheep dumb before her shearers. So, I mean, you think about it. He's taken to Mount Moriah. He yields his will to the Father. He bears the wood upon his back. He understands that he's going to die at the hands of his father. There is submission and silence. There's no struggle. There's no crying as Isaac is bound and placed him on the altar. None of those things. He really is the son of God pictured. And what happens? And Abe, look at verse 10. And Abram stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the land, neither, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know thou, that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And so God did not take from Abraham. And yet he did not stop himself in sending his son to Calvary. That was only going to happen one time. But this is an Old Testament Calvary for us to see. And what a blessing that is. And so Isaac, you know, and what we just see here is the grace of God. And that ram caught in the thicket. How God provided that. Caught by the horns in that thicket. And uh, I, I mean, you know, there's no, there are no words that are in the Bible that are just there to take up space. Or are there just for the sake of grammar. They're there with a purpose. They're there with a reason. And so here we see this, this, these great characters like Isaac and the picture that he represents and the promise that God made and the prophecy that was fulfilled. And you know, and, and you know what we can say? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer to that is no. There's nothing too hard for him. Jeremiah said, behold, he said, Ah, oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And so, beloved, you may have some mountains in your life. You may have what appears to be obstacles in your life. But, man, there's nothing too hard for our Lord to be able to do in your life if we'll trust him.
if we'll wait upon him and wait before him with an open heart. Amen? And, uh, and so I just appreciate the Lord, man, how he keeps his promises. He does. Yes, they are good to us. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these uh, precious words from the Old Testament, dear God. Thank you for the life of Isaac Ward and what the picture that it represents for us. And Father, help us, uh, Lord, to, to enjoy the grace of God when we have to wait and not get in the way and not muddy the waters and make, make uh, Lord, more problems for ourselves in the process. Lord, we love you and we need you. And uh, Lord, teach us how to wait, Father. Teach us how to learn to do that. And I pray you'll bless now as we go to our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.